Kimberly Rice, and you are tuned into the Secret Sauce Marketing Tasting Show, the groundbreaking podcast for business bosses, professional women, and anyone who is hungry to learn how to create the career, business, and life of their dreams by charting their own course. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of KLA Marketing's Secret Sauce Marketing Tastings podcast, wherein we speak with and have very lively discussions on topics of how business owners can develop the career of their dreams, as well as to build prosperous businesses uh, through innovation, networking, and all other types of business building tactics. Today, I could not be more excited than to welcome our guest, Frank Agan. Is that how you spell it? You got it. Gotcha. Agan, yeah. Agan, from um, a very interesting um, business that we're going to talk about this this afternoon um, in support of meaningful networking um, to build a prosperous network and business. So welcome, Frank. Well, thanks for having me on the show. This is great. Um, so I would like for you to start us off, Frank, and to um, share with our listeners a bit about yourself, your professional passion, and a few insights into your professional journey. Okay. Um, well, I, I will, I, I will I'll kind of move through it, but I will start from the beginning. Uh, parents uh, were from Chicago. That's where I was born. My uh, father taught high school for five years. Uh, well, he taught high school for uh, five years after I was born. He taught before then, um, but then decided to get a PhD and he moved to, we moved to Madison, Wisconsin. He attended University of Wisconsin and then ended up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan of all places, about four hours north of Green Bay where he taught. That's where I grew up. Um, well, some would argue I haven't grown up, but that's where I went. I, I went to high school um, and I call that home, but uh, I I went to a small college in Wisconsin. I literally went there to play football, Kimberly. I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted to play football, but it was a small school and I could. But because I wanted to play football, I didn't want to get kicked off the team, so I did really well in school. Every day I would go and I would study, um, and I didn't realize that you didn't have to do that, uh, because not all my teammates did. Um, But I did really well in school, and that led me into an opportunity to go to law school at Ohio State University, which is in Columbus, Ohio. So I have a law degree and a MBA from Ohio State. And um, that led me into a position with a large public accounting firm, international public accounting firm, doing tax consulting. I like to say that uh, I hated my job. I hated every minute of it except for paydays. Uh, but I was there for six and a half years, and after six and a half years, I decided to leave and go into private practice, figuring, okay, that's got to be my, you know, I've got to figure something out, and that's the best way to do it. So I went into private practice, and a funny thing happened to me when I went into private practice, and the funny thing was that nothing happened. Uh-huh. I had no idea how to get clients. I had no clue. Um, think of that worst person you could possibly run into at the chamber event from a networking perspective, the guy who was shoving his card uh, in your face, um, asking who's your attorney. Um, Well, that was me. It was horrible. I was horrible. And it never really, really felt right. But I spent about 
five weeks just kind of racing around, figuring out what I was going to try and do. Um, and uh, I had lunch one day with a, an attorney friend of mine, and she said, you know, if you're going to be successful, you want to be successful as an attorney, you need to get into a tips club or a leads group. And I really had no idea what she was talking about. But through a couple introductions, she introduced me to an organization that was putting together these groups. And they had a chapter and didn't have an attorney. I got involved. And immediately it clicked for me. It's like, okay, for me to be successful, what I need to do is I need to try and help the people sitting around the room be successful. If I can help find them clients, and I knew people who could use them, they just might not need legal services, then they would be doing the same for me. And so it really resonated that, you know, to be successful, and, and I like to tell people I kind of stumbled on, on good networking by happenstance. You know, it was, it was just kind of in the right place at the right time. And it was not that anybody kind of shook me by the shoulders and say, oh, you're doing it all wrong. It was just like, okay, this feels right. I feel good about this. I don't feel, I don't feel this apprehension about going to networking events. I'm actually helping these people. And then when I started going to networking events, I, you know, I kind of had a different mindset. Mm -hmm. So I got really involved with that, with that group. I was its president um, it was based out of Pittsburgh. I got on, a, on an advisory board and had an opportunity to spend a lot of time on the phone with the founder. And one day the founder and I were talking, her name, uh, was Eve Peterson. She, uh, sadly passed in 2013. Uh, but Eve and I were having a conversation and she took another call. She put me on hold. And when she got back on the call, she let me know that the person, her, her person in Columbus, Ohio, who was help run running things was quitting. Um, and I asked her at that time, I said, well, what are you going to do? And she says, well, I really would like to franchise this. And we had a long conversation about it. And I don't think she thought I would be interested. She was just sharing with me to network through me. I told her in that conversation, I would do it. I'd be her for first franchisee. So 15 days later, I became her first franchisee and, um, things things really started to change at that point. I was still practicing law because the nature of that sort of an organization is everything pretty much happens in the morning. So by nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, I was off and still could work with clients. Uh, my particular territory, which was kind of a nothing territory for her, immediately started to take off. And within a year, we were the largest territory. Within three years, we were bigger than half her operations. And at one point, this is back in 2004, uh, her and I kind of came to terms and I executed a buyout and I purchased that organization, or at least my share of it. There really wasn't a whole lot else that was there. Um, and I rebranded it as Am Spirit Business Connections. And what we do is we bring together on in a weekly meeting, entrepreneurs, sales reps, and professionals where they get to develop relationships. Networking's all about people knowing, liking, and trusting one another. They get together to develop relationships and learn about each other and exchange referrals. Um, and so that, uh, you know, at that point, I just decided I was going to stop the practice of law entirely and start to grow Amspirit, uh, certainly within Columbus, um, but then start to grow it across the country. So that's kind of my story. I, you know, how I got into networking. Very interesting. I love to hear stories um, where 
what you started as and started doing early on in your career um, and the twists and turns that it your path takes. I think that's mo one of the most fascinating things because likely in our parents' generation, you know, you got out of high school or you got out of the military or you got out of college and you took a position and you stayed there until you got the gold watch and you left. Yeah. And certainly that's not how the world works anymore. Um, you know, now we have a term for it, the gig economy, um, right. that by 2040, there will be more contractors and self-employed individuals than will be employees, which is only 20 years down the road. So yeah. um, that to me is um, interesting. It's just a different mindset and a different way that we can all experience our professional journeys. Um, but I want to I want to ask a number of questions that um, bubbled up. Number one, when you were um, when you were finishing up your college career, what um, what attracted you or appealed to you um, about going to law school and becoming a lawyer? You know, it's um, I, I did really well as I indicated, and I remember it was probably early on in my junior year. They sat me down, you know, the professors, and I was you know again doing well, and they said, okay. Well, what's the next step for you? And I really hadn't thought about it. I mean, I was literally the dumb jock. I was the smart, dumb jock. Um, and um, I said, you know what? I think I am going to go back to my hometown and open up a video store. VCRs were just becoming popular. To me, it seemed like the neatest thing to have a business where you could watch movies. I love movies. I love, you know, love watching television, watching movies. Um, I could do something that I'd love to do. Obviously, that would have been a horrible decision. Um, maybe not. Who knows where that would have gone. But they said at that point, like, no, no, you can't do that. I mean, you've got these grades, and, and it's a small liberal arts college. It's called Beloit College uh, in Wisconsin. Um, very good school. You know, you've got to – you should go on and get a professional degree. You should look at getting a Rhodes Scholarship. You should do all these things. Um, and obviously, I wasn't mature enough to really kind of see – the bigger picture, but fortunately, I, they guided me well. Um, and so in thinking about what that next step would be, it was like, oh, you know, being an attorney, that sounds, that sounds cool. That sounds prestigious. That sounds like something that people would be proud of. Um, and, and to a degree it is, but um, I always tell people, if you're thinking about going to law school, I'm not going to tell you don't, but do not go to law school and come out of it thinking the only thing you can do is practice law. Right. That's the, that's the mistake. Go to the law school, look at it as a master's in liberal arts, because it's, it's a really, law school doesn't teach you the law, it teaches you a way of thinking. Yeah. And that way of thinking, that critical thinking has applications that go well beyond, you know, practicing law. I use my law degree every day in that sense. That's fascinating. I, you know, as you know, I've worked with lawyers <clears throat> in law firms for over 25 years and um, worked with a lot of brand new lawyers as they've come out of law school, started their first legal position. And in fact, my stepdaughter um, has finished law school last year from Drexel and will be starting her first official permanent position in September. She's finishing up a clerkship. Um, and I have re reiterated more times than I can tell her that, you know, going, you know, she's, she's going to, She's 
determined to become a litigator. Right. Um, and I'm like, okay, you're 25. Um, you go do that. And um, let's talk in five or six years because um, we know, I know how grueling um, litigation can be. And it's uh, one of the fastest track to burnout. Um, yeah. But she's, you know, it's nothing reflective of her. It's just, the, it's just the environment and the process of our government. Um, and, well, the, the, the courts and, and the law. Um, but, you know, I, I often say there's, it, you will never be penalized for having a law degree, for having earned that JD. No. Uh, because I've worked with scores of lawyers over all these years that have decided to transition out of the practice of law um, and have gone on to become executive director of various legal associations or nonprofits, or they go back in house or they go in house. Yep. There's so many, there, I mean, the options are endless once you're in, in that club and it is a club. Um, and from my view, it's a club. Once you've got that JD, you're in the club. Yeah. And so that's, that's good for the people that are there uh, for there. Um, so anyway, so with your firm now, um, it's very exciting. Tell us more about, um, Am Spirit Business Connections, and um, you know how does it, if it does at all, compare to say the national BNI networking groups, and um, you know, and how do you, you know, what is your model for growing that um, across the country? Yeah, um, yeah, BNI is the one that we are compared to most. They, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll call them a competitor. I. But I tell people I'm not in this to compete against anybody. I'm in this to serve the membership, uh, serve my members. Right. Um, someone said to me years ago, "There's, there is no, there's no competition for excellence, and I just need to kind of focus on being better and better, and not kind of put my blinders on to what other people do." Um, but you know, very similar. We do have groups that meet every week. They are made up of one person per professional category one attorney, one accountant. And, and the reason for that, just so people understand, and I'm sure the reason why BNI has done it is, is I want somebody who's going to walk through the room, walk into the room, walk into the chapter, we call them chapters, and feel very comfortable talking about their strategy. Now, we all have strategies, you know, with whatever they might be. I had a member in a chapter um, who had entrenched herself in the gay lesbian community. Um, she was straight. I'm not making any. I'm not making any statements. It's just a fact. Um, but she had really done a good job, and they really liked her. Um, and it was a great way for her to generate business. Well, she wasn't going to be sharing that if one of her competitors was sitting there. So, um, so that's the first reason. The second reason it's one per category is I want people to be excited about giving referrals. And if there's two property casualty people there you're either giving it to both of them or you're giving it to none of them or you're handing it under the table, but I want people to be really excited about it. So it's one per category. Um, and again, they are meeting weekly. Some of the things, well, I, I, people always ask me, says, you know, how, how are you different? And it's like, you know, I really don't know. I have never been in BNI. I've never been in a networking, another networking organization. I know this. And so it's hard for me to make comparisons. It's hard for me to make fair comparisons because I, I don't have any firsthand knowledge. I have things that people tell me, uh, and I always take those things with a grain of salt. They'll, oh, you know, they'll say something bad about BNI, and it's like, okay, I know there's two sides to this story, and I'm only getting yours, and I don't really, I, I'm not going to hang my hat on it. 
I'm sure BNI is a wonderful organization. Um, but what I tend to like to talk about are the things that that make us passionate, the things that really, you know, things we're trying to do within the organization. Some of those are we want people to focus on exchanging what we called what we call qualified referrals. And what a qualified referral is simply a situation where when you're given the name of somebody to contact, they will be expecting the call. We're not sending each other on wild goose chases. You know, hey, Kimberly, here's my neighbor. Give him a call. Don't tell him I told you to call. Um, we're, we're not doing those sorts of things. Um, and so it's a, it, it's a qualified referral. So I don't know that we exchange as many referrals as other organizations might, but they're qualified in nature. Um, the other thing that we try and do is we try and do a lot of education at the chapter level. I tell, I tell members, I want them to be very good. I want them to be very good at getting referrals. I want to teach them how they can be good at getting referrals. And part of that is giving referrals, but I want to teach them how to message themselves as best they possibly can. So we do a lot of training, a lot of facilitation, a lot of exercise, role playing, um, talking to one another about their commercials. And, and what, what professionals, when I say professionals, attorneys, realtors, really anybody in business, we run into problems from time to time because we, we tend to talk jargon um, and people can't understand jargon. And so we think we're really smart, you know, and for, for me as an attorney, I might throw out some Latin or whatever, use some terms. Doesn't, don't I smart, sound smart? Um, and in reality, you know, people, generally people are nice. And so they're not going to say they don't understand, but they're just not going to understand and not give you referrals. Um, so we really do a lot of coaching to kind of get people to dumb it down. Um, so we do a lot of that. And the third big thing we do is we like to, we, we tell people in the organization is when you join, you join a chapter, but you really become part of a big organization. And we want people to feel that. We want people to know that they can network with anybody in this organization. And it happens. We have people, I have people in Columbus, Ohio, who network with people down in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and we have a system, we, we keep track of those things and we encourage that sort of behavior. Most chapters have a realtor, most chapters have a financial advisor, but there are chapters out there, you know, not many have a plumber. Um, and so the plumbers that are out there, their names are kind of getting around and, and it benefits them. Um, so those are really kind of the things that we're really focused on and passionate about. You know, as far as expansion, you know, we're expanding through franchising. I'm looking for people to become franchisees in the organization. It's a unique franchise opportunity in a couple respects. One, the franchise fee is, is relatively low. It's, um, it's only $10,000. Um, I say that I have to kind of choke on that because $10,000 is a lot of money. But in the franchising world, it's not. Uh, to buy a franchise, most franchises out there are going north of thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars dollars $50,000. So it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, but the the thing that's unique about it is it's really geared for it's really geared for the entrepreneur or the professional, the business owner to add on to what they're already doing. All of our franchisees do something else for a few hours in the morning, a couple mornings a week. They're working with their groups. The rest of the time, they're web designers, they're realtors, 
um, cons telecommunications consultants, travel agents, kind of runs the gamut. Um, uh, search engine op optimization people, it really kind of runs the gamut of, you know, one guy owns a UPS store and they really kind of tie in well together. So those are the types of people we look to talk to. Wonderful. So um, how, what is the system by which you connect um, folks through your network? I heard you're in Ohio, you're in Arizona. I mean, not only I'm sure that there's direct application for membership and um, co building community, um, locally, but then, you know, if as business grows and expands and people have interest in different parts of the country or different part of the state, um, you know, how do you facilitate and encourage that type of um, connection? Well, we have a system within the organization, we call them cross-chapter referrals, and we ask people to give cross-chapter referrals. We ask chapters to generate so many cross-chapter referrals a year. Oh, um, and so, as a part of that, there's a constant there's a constant discussion about hey we need to be looking for these opportunities if we don't have somebody here go to the AmSpirit website and see if you can find somebody and so you know somebody might need a photographer for example and there's not a photographer in every group they need one they'll go online and they'll find a photographer and so sometimes people in doing that search it it might be something where you know what I need somebody I need a copyright person somebody who can help me with the verbiage for my website, oh my God, they're down in Arizona. Well, in this day and age, it doesn't matter where somebody's at, right? No. Um, I mean, you can be doing business with your neighbor and still never see them. Um, right. And so that's really kind of how it, you know, how it, how it happens. Um, and, and people become very comfortable in the organization doing business with one another because everybody's got the sense, they know what it takes to get into their chapter. You just don't, fill out an application and pay your money, you've got to be somewhat vetted. And to stick around, you've got to be somebody who is reasonably professional. And so most people in the organization, the, the, the vast, almost exclusively the people in the organization are really known, liked, and trusted by somebody. And so you know that you're going to, you're going to get somebody good. They're, they're not staying in the organization if they're, um, if they're, if they're not to meetings on time, if they're not reliable, if they're if they're if they're dishonest, they're not going to stick around in the organization. Exactly. So there's a great trust that's kind of built throughout the whole organization. Um, and that's and that just takes time, right? I mean, you've got to show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's interesting, you know, because um, I work with law firms and professional services firms exclusively, where the the relationship com building component is such a cornerstone to the prosperous business building and sustaining sustainability. Um, yet, I have never gone into a room where I've taught or spoken before a group that when I ask the question, so how many people enjoy networking? You know, you get all kinds of faces back at you, <laughs> distorted yeah. faces back at you, or oh, I hate it, I don't know what to say. You know, I mean, why am I there? What do I have to offer? So I'm just curious what your viewpoint is, um, and, and I feel like there will never be a replacement for in-person relationship building via networking, organizational involvement, and just the one-on-one -on -one relationship building, period. Except well, I was just going to say, but introduce, you know, since we're living in a digital 
um, age and there are so many ways to connect online, um, what do you see the role of, say, social media channels like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and how that can or, or does not um, support the real-time relationship building? Well, you know, you, you said something that I totally agree with. We will never, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say never, it's going to be eons before we get away from the personal relationship. We uh, need to have. We need to have that. We need to have that connection. Right. Um, we just, we do. We, we do business with, we associate with those we know like trust. You and I met through social media. Right. Um, but there was kind of an exchange, you know, you, you didn't invite me on this podcast out of, out of the gate. You know, I didn't invite you on mine out of the gate. There was some relationship building there. Right. There was a you know level of trust. We could kind of see, we could look in, you could look online and you know, a lot of, you know, you can fake some things online. You can't fake all the stuff that I see about you and I can't fake the stuff you see about me. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to get away from that. How does, you know, but, pe but people still are of the mind that, well, okay, I don't need to do anything because of, because of LinkedIn. And, and what I tell people is that what LinkedIn does for us, or Facebook, mainly, I, let's talk LinkedIn, because that's where, you know, that's really kind of where most of the professionals that we're, we're dealing with are in. What LinkedIn does is it allows us to connect with people um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we're, we have information about them before we even talk. Like if you and I went to a networking event, and we saw one another, we'd be like, okay, you know, I don't know anything about him. You know, he could be, he, he could be homeless. He could be in transition. He could be whatever. You don't know anything about me, but with LinkedIn, you know, I could see what your background is and what you had done, where you went to school and, and likewise. Um, so that's kind of an advantage, but I tell people you need to look at LinkedIn as really nothing more than this giant business after hours. That's all it is. It's going 24 hours a day. There are millions and millions of people on it and you can kind of search and sort out, Hey, I'm looking for attorneys. All right. You know, I'll do a search and I can kind of narrow my search. Whereas if you walked into a room and there were, you know, people there, you know, dressed up or, you know, you wouldn't know, you know, there could be a guy there in a golf shirt, could be the greatest attorney in the world and you're, you know, on vacation, you wouldn't know it. Um, so, you know, all LinkedIn is really doing, all social media is doing is, is allowing us to connect, but it's, it doesn't help us build the relationship. And ultimately, we're going to do business with people, we're gonna, ultimately going to have relationships with, personal or professional, with people where we know them, we like them, and we trust them. And I, I go into groups as well and ask them what they think about networking. I get this, a lot of the same looks you get. <laughs> um, and I'll ask people, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll start asking questions. Okay. How many of you are married and you see hands go up and how many of you guys have kids or how many people have kids hands go up and I'll start asking questions like, well, where'd you meet your spouse? You know, and you know, it, it wasn't a mail order situation, right? Of course you get some chuckles. How'd you find a babysitter? You know, and then all of a sudden they start to realize that, you know, the reason people the reason that people, you know, kind of scrunch their nose at networking is they, they closely align it with sales right. and it's not, 
that's the problem. Networking is building relationships. Right. Well, and you know, somewhere along the way, and I don't really know, my first job out of college was at a chamber of commerce. You know, so if I had not had, you know, and I was what, 22, 23 years old, and I was thrown into going to all those business after hours. Um, and so I, I can't really think of a job better for someone right out of college to introduce them to the concept of networking. Um, cause I, I'm back in the eighties. I don't think I had opportunities in college, actual college formed mocktails or whatever, like they do. Today. Yeah. Um, but you know, so I grew up, you know, professionally going to networking, being involved, planning it, etc. Um, but somewhere along the way, it's been, it was corrupted with the perception that it's just what kind of, what can I get from you? Not what can I help you with? Or yeah. we work on, and we, we, our philosophy is from the position of giving to get. How can I be of service or a resource for you? Not what I can get from you. And I've coached too many lawyers you know, from A to Z, from for day one to, you know, to they're about to retire. And they've gone through their entire careers, um, not understanding and grasping the power of effective networking. Um, I actually, one, one person in particular comes to mind. He was a man, he's a managing partner at a, a, a moderate sized firm outside of Philadelphia. And um, he had a big industry conference he was going to attend. So that meant that he was going to be in a room full of prospective qualified or qualified prospects and potential clients. And so when we had a, a, a coaching call one day and I, so I asked him what his greatest challenge was. And he said, I just am not comfortable with that big question. And I'm like, and what question is that? And he responded, this fellow named Peter, he said, how can I get your business? Yeah. Wowie. And so I said, oh my goodness, Peter, I'm going to make your day, if not your year. I said, because I don't ever want you to ever ask that question again in the context of a networking event, because that is the antithesis of what the objective and the value and the power of networking is. And so I walked him through, you know, what can, what is the reasonable objective of networking and being in a room of, you know, qualified, qualified targeted prospects and where the real work comes in. And as you and I know that there's no one marketing tactic that's going to win the day, you know, for all the clients that you ever hope to have but it is a mixture, as we call the secret sauce of, of massive amounts of action across a lot of different platforms, but then the real work comes after the actual event. Um, so I hope, you know, I wasn't with him this particular day, but I hope light bulbs went on for him. And uh, we did talk a little bit following the event, um, but you know, it's kind of like, you, it really starts and ends with having an open mind to learn. Um, and learning the, the marketing mindset where we look for opportunities to connect for others and with others and not for ourselves. And for those folks who do not subscribe to the concept of the law of attraction, 
um, and they think out of desperation that they have to get what they can because they're dealing from a, a position of lack, not abundance. There really yeah. is a mindset, a mindset shift that's required. Yeah, I, I had somebody on a podcast, um, and they and and I I wish I could remember who it was. I'll go back and look. But but the, here's the quote. The quote was is that people don't get what they want in life because they're too focused trying to get what they want in life. Yeah, right. And, and, and that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, you know, that they're so focused on what's in it for them. And, and to be honest, it's human nature. You know, we, we developed as humans among scarcity. I mean, you, you know, we lived in tribes and everybody had to pull their weight. Um, and if you didn't, you were ostracized. And so, you know, it was, it, it was truly survival. Um, but we're not, we're not in that situation anymore, but still people kind of are in that, you know, geez, if I don't, if I don't ask for the business, if I don't get the business, I'm somehow going to lose. And they just need to surrender to the notion that we're, people are really attracted to people who are looking to help others. Um, exactly. Exactly. And building and focusing instead as you're being having that service mentality. And this is what I teach in CLE courses is developing that service mindset of how can I be of service or a resource to you um, and building and, and instead focusing on building that top of mind awareness. So when the need arises that that individual is on top of mind because of how he or she has been of service in the past. Right. Um, it's a relatively simple um, equation and recipe, but um, as you and I sadly know, it's still not practiced as well as it could be and should be because you can cut out a lot of anxiety and stress and wasted time um, going to events and, and um, you know, engaging in other very, um, unproductive business building activities because of you're not having the right mindset. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it's very, it, it's very true. And it's, it's not easy. Um, I think, you know, you started to talk about it earlier, you know, how, you know, why are we kind of stuck in this pattern that people feel like they've got to network badly. And I really think it's kind of pushed down, you know, from, it's probably pushed down from the sales managers types. There's, there's people out there putting out the wrong information um, and they're not really the ones out there trying to network. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when I was in the firm I was at, you know, yeah, go out and, you know, these are the things you need to do. And they never really explained it to us. I don't know that they knew themselves because, you know, they kind of, they grew up in the firm in the seventies and uh, the early part of the eighties where the phone literally just rang. That's how they got business. It right. just rang. Um, and so the notion of actually having to, to compete and there, you know, there were, I was, it was a public accounting firm. There were six when I was there, there was eight before that. And it was kind of like everybody had, had their worlds divvied up. You know, there are, you know, three giant automakers and then you had the Japanese. Well, everybody kind of gets theirs you know, everybody kind of gets one. All right. You know, and here's some, you know, they're dividing up these big toys and, and the little toys, the little clients were just kind of calling. Um, and the big, the big clients never left. 
so you never really had to hunt for them. Um, and, but that was information that was being pushed down. You need to get out there and, and you need to get out there and network badly. That's what they were saying, but it's essentially what they were saying, get out there and network badly. Um, because I don't know how to tell you how to network, right. Um, and it's kind of been pushed on and pushed forward and pushed forward. Well, you know, we can be seen as change agents because now one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Maya Angelo is when we know better, we do better. Yeah. Um, and so I am a huge advocate and evangelist for um, capturing, harnessing, um, the and leveraging the art of effective networking. I've been in this game for decades now. And um, hopefully, you know, some of the things is like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And now with, you know, the internet, um, 25 years we think we've been about on the internet you know there's nothing that we can't learn on youtube right. or other things so so we don't really nobody really has an excuse for not knowing yeah. um, but I, I it's interesting that the the topics around networking and relationship building are very popular ones on my speaker circuit all, all over the country yeah um, you know, i weave those in but so let me ask you a very fun question um, okay. So now away from networking and our um, our businesses um, in the strictest sense, and that is, um, if you could give your younger self one piece of professional advice, what would that be? Well, it, I mean, it, it would have to go back to networking. Okay. Um, and you know, I when I do podcasts, when I, I I've asked that similar question, and the answer is consistently, you know, I, I went to college and I was amongst all these people who had, you know, you know, from all over the country or all over the state, depending upon where you're at. Um, and I didn't look at them as anything but drinking buddies or whatever. And, in, in, and if I, to do it all over again, I would realize that, you know what, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, these are going to be the cornerstone of, of my career. Um, not necessarily working for me, but in the employment sense, but working for me in, in the network sense. Um, and so to a degree, a lot of those opportunities were missed. And I'm, you know, thinking back to the people that I knew and geez, you know, Eric's dad was a VP at this company. And this guy was a, you know, he was the you know head, purchasing person for this company, there was a lot of opportunity there that really was kind of squandered. Um, so if I could, you know, have the uh, back to the future traveling machine, I would put, you know, pull myself aside and say, listen, these relationships are, are really important. Um, now, I don't know that I would have listened because what, what's the saying that <clears throat> youth is wasted on the young, something like that. Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, but, uh, you know, if I could get myself to take that advice and to be honest, I have three kids who are in college and I hammer on that all the time, yeah. you know, relationships, relationships. Uh, my, my daughter's big on LinkedIn and developing relationships. Awesome. And I as well, I have two step adult stepchildren and um, who uh, I am um, and, and teach this, you know, to day one um, new lawyers. And that is, you know, your job is a first, second year is to make sure that you maintain those relationships and, and 
uh, of your former law school classmates or your former college classmates because they're going to end up somewhere um, and could be your next best client when you get to that point. Um, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, certainly staying, um, getting the getting and staying connected um, as you both are rising through and going on your professional journeys. And, yeah. you know, never been an easier time to do that because, you know, when you and I were starting out, there was no internet, there was no LinkedIn. No. <laughs> so it's just a completely different world. And when I have, when I hear um, clients whining about they don't have time to do this, that, the other, I'm like, you have no idea. Yeah no idea about how we started you know I actually well it's a whole nother story but uh, I mean I started from complete scratch no computer no you know didn't even have fax machines but um, no cell phones no internet um, so I want to wrap up our time together today Frank this has been really fascinating and um, and very uplifting um, that the value to kind of affirm the value of the no like and trust um, component of building a business, um, connecting with others, having that service mindset, and actually, you know, you as an innovative entrepreneur and turning that into a business uh, of making sure that your members, you know, at home and across the country are doing that for the betterment and not only of their lives, but the lives of others. Um, so if folks want to reach out to you, if they're interested to speak about you know, franchise opportunities or how they themselves can become involved in one of your chapters established already in the country. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you? You know, there's LinkedIn is easy. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and that's certainly, I, I respond to everything on there. Uh, Frank Agin, last name spelled A-G-I-N. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. Um, from there, you can get my email address uh, or you can connect with me. Uh, you can also go to frankagan.com and there'll be ways of connecting with me there as well. My email address is there. Um, you know, that's, I, I try and respond to all of that stuff. So, you know, just reach out to me at email. Um, I, I tend not to just take calls. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll pick up the phone or my assistant will pick up the phone and say, Hey, listen, schedule something right. uh, because I, it's just easier. Somebody wants to call and talk and, you know, I might be getting, I might be getting on a podcast in two minutes or just right. gotten off a podcast. I'm on the right frame of mind. So it's always nice to be able to schedule something and kind of know what it's about and, and be ready for it. So it's phone, phone calls are so yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like email me or text me and let me know you want to call me, you know? Yeah. I, I certainly don't pick up my phone um, unless I either recognize the number and it's a member of my family. Um, that's usually about it. I mean, you need to just, I mean, it's, it's very, can be very interruptive, just like email when you're trying to think and create, which is a big part of uh, what I do every day. Yeah. Um, love to talk to people, but you just got to get on my calendar. So, you know, there's an app for that. Catlin Lee. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. Uh, and thank you listeners for joining us again for another episode of the secret sauce marketing tastings episode. And um, we look forward to, bringing new guests and more exciting guests in the future. And thank you so much for joining us today and keep moving forward. Thank you.